from Kurtco Media. This week on Life Done Better. I say in my TED Talk, this world wants us to stay small in the size of our body and in our voice and in our dreams, but we don't do it anymore. If the Me Too movement gives us one piece of this, it's that we will not stay small any longer. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeJong. If you would like to learn how to get media exposure for your business and message, then this episode is for you. My guest, Abby Gibb, gave up her successful career as an Emmy Award-winning TV journalist and now helps heart-centered entrepreneurs get media visibility. Abby is a TEDx speaker. Her work has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, CNN, and NBC News. Abby, what I really like about your approach is that it doesn't feel intimidating or unattainable to do what you teach. You break it all down in steps and you use a lot of humor. So you even recently colored your hair pink, which I find brave because people may take you less seriously, but you don't care what other people think about you and continue sharing your shit. So please explain where shit stands for because the listeners may think I'm being rude. You're not being rude, Jill, and thanks for having me, and it's really nice to chat with everyone that's listening right now. So hi, yes, I have pink hair, yes, I don't give a shit, and yes, shit stands for your story, your humility, your intuition, and your truth. So in my recent TEDx talk that I gave, I feel like I kept hearing this same story over and over again, Jill, which was that... So many of you, and maybe you relate if you're at home right now and you're going for a run or you're doing the dishes and you're listening to this episode, drop the towel and tell me if you feel the same way, okay? That media feels like a dumpster fire. It feels like a bad Thanksgiving meal between your crazy uncle and your friend and they're screaming at each other about politics and there's just no dignity or decency anymore. I think it's interesting that we have, you know, I'm holding my phone right now, we have the most connectivity possible. We get to do this. You're in Hawaii. I'm in Oregon. We have listeners all over the world on this podcast right now. We have so much connectivity and yet we have no connection to the stories that we hear anymore to the point that like you just said, you just tune them all out. And so as somebody who has really loved and cared for storytelling my entire life, I was like, how do we start to solve this? right? What do we start to do with the tools that we have at hand to answer that question of what I call a connection-starved society? And I realized that the answer was that we should start to share our shit. It's that we aren't honestly sharing our stories. We're not finding humility in our day. We're not living as leaders into our intuition and letting that be a more female-led type of paradigm shift, and that we're not sharing our truths and embodying our truths. And that the fact is that after interviewing tens of thousands of people in my career, I've interviewed people from the White House to to homeless people, to veterans, I mean, literally every kind of person. And I realized, Jill, that they all want, you and I want three things. We wanna feel seen that we even exist in this world, that we matter in some way. We want to feel heard, right? You want to, you create this podcast because you want to empower, but you also want to feel like your message matters. Like you get to share something and be heard for it. Absolutely. And then you want to feel loved. And that's actually the biggest fear that we have is that if we press record, if we start sharing our shit, right? If we go live on Instagram, even if we tell our family member, a significant other that we want to start this business, that we won't actually be loved. 
This fear of rejection is truly what holds us back from doing the thing we're actually called to do. Because we don't think that anyone sees us. We don't think if we talk, someone will listen. And we think if we do talk and someone listens, we won't be loved. I know the power of what it means when people share their shit because I'm the product of it. So I tell this quick story that I was sitting on my kitchen floor one day and I was in my Target underwear. So if anybody knows the kind of day that you're having when you're in like Target, <laughs> right? The like granny panty Target underwear. That's a special kind of day, a bad special kind of day, right? I'm ugly crying. I'm holding my ethically sourced, overpriced, whole foods, almond butter, shaman blessed, you know, the kind that's like $20 a jar. And I'm eating by the spoonful out of it and I'm crying into my almond butter. So hopefully you can understand exactly the kind of place that I'm in. And I find myself saying, me too. And I realized that I was also not just covering the Me Too movement, but I also had been someone who had been physically and emotionally abused inside the media industry for the last 10 years of my life. And I realized that in that moment, as good as I was at my, at my job, and I was, I won an Emmy, I'd done a bunch of big fun stuff. I realized that I couldn't keep my integrity if I stayed one more day in this industry. And me too, I had to leave. And it was because Tarana Burke, a woman who shared her story back in 2006 on MySpace. Remember MySpace? Like, wow, that's a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah. okay? 2006, she starts to share her story, right? And then it galvanizes and galvanizes and galvanizes to the point that we now have that hashtag of me too. But that's 10,000 women who had shared their story before I had the courage to finally share mine. But it's because of their bravery that I left and created the job that I did, right? This new career in my life. And it's because of their stories that we ousted huge predators, right? Like I say this story because this is the power that one story can have. One story continually shared changes the world. And that's where I started my business from. I love that you shared this because I actually had goosebumps listening to your very well-described moment of surrender, of realization, of maybe a start of another form of healing because now you're not the only one. You're, you're in this shared movement and you're sharing that you too were part of victim of an energy and a society and a secret that you no longer wanted to be part of and you quit you said, I can no longer do this anymore. It cannot be part of me any longer. Thank you. And yeah, it is. And I'm really proud of her, the, the older version of me. And in that process, I will encourage any woman that's listening to this right now that is a heart-centered entrepreneur. And that's the person I say that gives a shit about the world and gets shit done. You're a type A overachiever. You were born to lead. And you know that you have something even bigger inside of you. If you're that person, if you just threw down your loofah because you're listening to us in the shower, <laughs> then I am talking to that woman right now, right? And so if you were that person, I get it because I was her too. And what I find to be so beautiful, and I can only say this hindsight 2020, is who I got to become in the process of unbecoming, right? So as these different things started to fall away, you now see this woman in front of you that has pink hair and I've stopped Botoxing and I had multiple eating disorders that of course I thought were very normal because in that industry, it's really encouraged as a part of the Me Too, right? Is that your bosses are consistently telling you all about your body and body shaming and it's a very normalized conversation of abuse. 
And so I had to unbecome those things in order to become. So my first TED Talk is all about how we break up to break through and how it's important that we look at and face these breakups. And they're not just romantic breakups, but we can have breakups in our body and how we treat our body and look at our body. It's how we break up with a career we thought we once wanted that no longer serves us. It's normal and a beautiful part of our process and our journey of being leaders to break up with these things, to break through. And I'll say, Jill, I spent 10 years hoping you would think I looked like a supermodel, hoping that you would think I was perfect. And I wasn't built as a 5'11 Swedish supermodel. I'm 5'7 and curvy and I have wrinkles because I smile and laugh and I don't think those are a sign of weakness anymore. And I like my pink hair because I think it really matches my personality and I like eating and food is good and I don't need to throw it up every day, right? Because I say in my TED Talk, this world wants us to stay small in the size of our body and in our voice and in our dreams, but we don't do it anymore. If the Me Too movement gives us one piece of this, it's that we will not stay small any longer. And so you really rediscovering who you are as in, okay, that's what was expected of me. That's what my job description was like. People kind of kept projecting on me and I played the game. And I got to say, like, even though, you know, like you may say, well, the model type that is, you know, the right height, the right features, they also have their shit. They also have their stories. And so that's the wonderful part about sharing. And that's also part of why I put together the Models Do Eat collaboration cookbook. It shares about our health issues. It shares about what we were dealing with, some form of disordered eating, body image, because everyone is dealing with something. When we share our shit, I call it a yard sale of the soul, out in the open, free to just be. And I don't want to live in a world, a disordered, dysfunctional world that expects me to be well-adjusted to feeling shame. Exactly. I will not live in shame. My body, my legs are beautiful because they get me up a really hard, big mountain lines and wrinkles are there because I laugh every day. My voice is fine the way it is. The tone doesn't need to change. My butt doesn't need to get smaller or bigger to be loved and appreciated. And so by doing that, the more we give ourselves the freedom for us to just be, to have a yard sale of the soul, the more we give another person permission. Literally by just being yourself, you consistently give other women the permission to be themselves. And that is a revolution. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co. Media. All right, we're back with Abby Gibb. Can you talk us through some of the steps to internalize, okay, I have a message. I'm not sure how to tell this message or how to share it. How do we start? Number one, you have to believe and realize that your story matters and that it can make a drastic impact in the world. Because the first thing that holds most of us back is believing that we don't have a fancy story. I don't have an Emmy. I wasn't a former supermodel. Why would anyone listen to me? Everybody's story matters. So first and foremost, just got to let that shit go. Literally just let it go today. 
please on this podcast, throw a loofah down or your fork and just let it go. So that's the first piece. The second is I want you to think about how you would describe how you help someone using what I call the XYZ sentence. Okay. So the X is a very specific group of people that you want to serve and help. Okay. It's not just women and it might not just be even business women. It needs to be for me, like I say, purpose-driven entrepreneurs very specific group of people, right? The Y is where they currently are and how they feel. And the Z is where they want to go. So let's say, for instance, I help purpose-driven entrepreneurs gain massive clarity through aligned media placement. That's my one sentence. Or I help busy working moms to uncover their own natural healing so that they can feel vibrant and energized through their day. Very clear, concise sentence. Specific, yeah. And then from there, I want you to think about that as you start to show up with your content, let's say, of course, on social media, but here on a podcast or on a stage, you want to think one pain point to one solution. So this is today's podcast episode with you, Jill, one pain point, an entrepreneur that feels stuck in her message and she wants to turn into a movement right? I'm not going to talk about digital marketing and SEO content. I could talk about that, of course, right? But we're going to do one pain point to one solution. So after you think about that one pain point you want to solve, okay, now we want to think about story message movement. All right. So this part, feel free, pause it, rewind this part of the podcast because we're going to go through it. It might take a couple times to process. Most people, Jill, start with their story first. And I teach that you actually start with your movement in mind always start with the movement in mind. So although, yes, I have a very engaging story, I didn't get TED Talks because of my story. I got TED Talks because I can share my movement. What that means is, what do you want people to do? Take away action steps that you want them to have when they listen to your podcast episode, speech, even your social media posts. This applies to everything. So the movement that I have is to share your shit, right? That's my movement. Now, what are my messages? Now we reverse engineer back from share your shit. What are the personal messages that I've learned in order to do that? I've learned that this world wants us to stay small, right? But that we don't do that anymore. I've learned the power of a story. I've learned that when you share your truth, the real revolution is what happens inside of you and who you get to show up as. Now I reverse engineer from there. What are the stories that support that message? So I might share a story about crying on the kitchen floor with my almond butter. I might share a story about how I built my business in the first six months. I might share a story about how I once grabbed a handful of almonds while I was in the newsroom and one of my bosses walked up to me and said, one of us is on TV and I put the almonds down and he literally patted me and said, good girl, and then sent me out to go live on TV. And the thing I'll say is that now that you think about, you reverse engineered from movement to message to story, now you're like, okay, Abs, I think I got kind of the story, but like, how do I tell it? So you've got all these different stories that might support your message and the message to the movement, right? So start with the emotion of the story. You notice that when I shared about me too, I started with exactly what I was wearing, how I was feeling, where I was in that moment when I had audibly said to myself, me too. Yeah, it helped me picture it. And you get also simple things like, I know what kind of day it is when I'm wearing Target underwear. It's a kind of day. It would be the same as if I'm wearing La Perla. Then you know what kind of day it is, right? So I want you to think really specifically about the emotion in that breakthrough moment. The next piece that happens is that whether or not your audience realizes it, when I share my emotion, what happens is you just thought about your ugly cry moment. 
You thought about it in your car, in the shower, in the bathroom. You thought of a recent ugly cry moment that you were right there. And you transposed your different experience onto my shared emotion. Okay, here's the best part. Then we have the shared connection that comes out of that, right? So we've got the emotion first and then the experience. So then it comes the engagement. The engagement is what happens here, I say, and these podcasts. So I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway was. So like, feel free, shoot me an Instagram story, tag Jill and I in it, or shoot me a DM. I'm a real human. I want to know and hear what it was like for you to hear this episode. What were your biggest takeaways? Or if I'm on stage, I'll say, go ahead and raise your hand if that is how you feel. I'll engage the audience. Engagement is how we make that connection. And of course, once you connect with me on Instagram, the algorithm assumes that since you've DM'd me or you've done a story, that you want to see more of my content. So now we're creating that connection on Instagram, for instance, through a podcast. And then from that, you might download some of my free things that I have, a bunch of templates and a ton of stuff I can help you with, right? So now you're in my email list and then you might join one of my programs. That's right. And this is a start of building community. And the community goes into that movement of we're changing the world one person at a time in a very positive direction together. Yes. And it's systematic. And I share my systems and I want you to see the systems because I'm on a mission to heal media. I'm on a mission that I believe that media was never bad to begin with. It was just the people who were creating it and the industries that took it over. But I believe you and me, the real humans behind the stories can heal media when we share our shit period. So I'm here to help. Of course, I'm going to share all these pieces. Oh, I love that you are so easygoing about it because it, it's not that hard, but it is sometimes really scary to share in a vulnerable place. And then there is a, you know, you can obviously practice how to tell your story and you can do this with a friend. I did this the other day with someone that was going to interview for a position at Google that was going to have to create some content for social media. So he wasn't very comfortable speaking in front of a camera. I said, well, why don't I record you? We're not going to publish this. We're not going to post this. We're not going to do anything with it, but I just want you to see how you come across. I'm going to ask you questions about your story, the why, the how, your passions, little fun things that, you know, really make you, you and unique and fun Yeah. so they can relate. And so she started talking and she started sharing and she was so good. I was like, girl, you seem so natural. She's like, well, because I'm not posting it. I'm just talking to you. And that's what you got to keep in mind. When you share your story on camera, it's not going to feel very personal. Have someone, if you like, film it for you and talk to that person. Talk to the camera as if it's your best friend that you're sharing this with. Yeah. Even when you stumble over your words, like you forgot the first sentence of your TEDx talk, didn't you? I literally, Jill, no shit. I'm up there. I practiced for four months and here I am. First time I'm ever sharing some of these really vulnerable stories. And yeah, I'm nervous AF and I get up there and I hand a Bible. It goes, it's gone. I'm staring at this bright light on that little red dot that everybody dreams about and it's gone. And luckily I had practiced and I teach this in a way that you learn how to pick this up so that you're not reliant on perfectly memorizing. I will also say one other trick is that while you're learning how to share your story, and I love teaching signature story and how to start sharing it, one of the pieces that you'll see in my most recent TEDx, and I think that's why that one has been more successful as far as views, is because as I was practicing it, I would ask really good friends, right? Amazing women like you, Jill. I would call up my tribe of girlfriends and I would say, 
I'm going to give you my talk. You've never heard the talk. You don't know what the topic is on. I want to practice it in front of you. And it's super scary. My heart raced every single time. Okay. I want you guys to please hear. I've done things for years. It never stops for me. So get over the idea that you somehow or someday are going to feel super relaxed and confident because it doesn't happen. Oh, that's good to hear. Because you actually care. To me, when you get nervous, that shows that your soul is actually caring about the message at hand. If you didn't care, then you wouldn't be nervous because you don't care how it's received. So it's actually a sign of love when you're a little nervous, okay? So as I'm talking to my friends, I'm like, any moment, the moment that you want to grab your cell phone and that you're kind of bored, for one second, you tell me the minute that I start talking that that happens. So first time I did it, two minutes into my TEDx, she's like, oh, want to grab my phone. Great. No problem. Fix it. Next time, five minutes. Next time, 15 minutes in. To the point that every person I shared it with, I could go all 20 minutes and they were like, dude, I even know the story now. And I'm like, give it to me again. Oh, I love that. What a great technique. I'm going to try that too. It's this a is- good one, right? You know, obviously friends can be really just like, hey, it's very supportive. It's good. It's great. And you're like, but if it can be better, please give that feedback. Please tell me. You need like a friend from New York or something, right? Like a no shits direct. Do not have an LA friend that's like, well, I think that your chakra was really beautiful and glowing while you were sharing. Like, no, you don't want that friend. <laughs> that's like, nope, my coffee is almost cold. I don't, I'm bored. Like you want that friend? Yeah. The other piece of advice I'll give you is that if you are in a place that this is some, a resource that you have, having a virtual assistant, if it's your personal one, or you might just hire someone off of like Fiverr, but having a virtual assistant who literally just sits there and holds your script and is working it with you. So like, oh, nope, you missed, you missed a line because you don't want to make any friend or partner have to do this, but you do practice your signature story so much that it's really helpful to have a VA who's like there reading it with you and is like, is that's their job is just to sit there and hold you accountable. If you're an athlete, Jill, you know that it just takes repetition. It just takes time reps like a gym to get this story. So when you see me telling a story that looks effortless, it's because of the 80 hours in my gym practicing this over and over. And it's kind of like a comedian. I use the same analogy, the standup that you love that you see on like Netflix. They have to start with what we call a tight 10. It means they have a very strong first opening 10 minutes. They know exactly when you're going to laugh. They know exactly when to pause for the applause or what the reaction's going to be. It's so tight. They know exactly what to expect. Your story is just like that comedian. It's a tight 10. What does it take? That comedian goes to lots of clubs and practices it on audiences and sees their reaction and sees how it lands. So that the time you see it on Netflix, it seems super effortless and there's tons of laughs and it's perfect. But it's because they spent a hundred hours to get that tight 10. So true. It always takes so much effort to be effortless. You know, I think public speaking is terrifying for most people. And what I've learned is not to make it about myself, to make it about, I'm here to show up with my story to inspire, motivate, help, support, guide someone else in this audience. I'm not here to get applause for me. I'm here of service. And that really helps to step out of your own nerves because then you start connecting to your heart again and you don't care what your hair looks like or if your clothes are the right fit or whatever else. Of course. And you get excited and the tonality of it is very important. So if you want to watch my talks, you can see on either one that I build you up and I talk about it and I get really excited and I share this one part and then I pause and I let it sit 
and then I bring you back down. So your tone is just as important as the story. So you want to think of it like layering a cake. That's another piece I teach is like how to, in your talks, how to highlight certain words so that you know what should land. And that comes back to that tight 10. You know what parts make people laugh. You know what's going to make them have chills. And it just takes time, y'all. Give yourself patience. Jill, you were brilliant at that, thinking about just one person, just that one person that you're talking to. And it's not about you. It's about who you get to transform with your story. I love talking a lot about this paradigm shift of leadership. We have been raised in a very male-centric look, even at speaking, even at the way that we share our story. So maybe you've heard and maybe you've bought a course about like the hero's journey in having to write your story. Or you hear like, oh, go out there, crush it, kill it, right? Like hustle, grind. It's all these very masculine and external terms. And women especially feel like, why doesn't this work for me? I don't get it. I bought this course or I've done a lot of public speaking or Toastmasters and it just doesn't feel authentic to me. Why is that? And I share it's because we're ready for this paradigm shift. And I say this meaning not just men and women as gender, but just the energies inside of us that we, we have these other terms actually that we've heard of before, which are, I can't take my eyes off her. She glowed. Her presence was magnetic. She drew me in, right? We hear all those terms. We never hear about them about men but we have heard them about women. So the difference is that when we come on stage and we're embodied in our message and we believe that our story is enough, that we are enough however we look and sound, and that we're just here to share from the inside out, the audience is going to say things like, I couldn't take my eyes off her. Her message just glowed. She just made me feel something about myself inside of me that I could do it. Yeah. It's an exchange of trust from inside to inside, not outside to outside. Like I got to crush and kill, but I'm just standing here embodied and glowing over who I am. And that gets to be enough. It's such a beautiful energy exchange. That's what it is. And so when we think about social media, because oftentimes we start there, right? We think, okay, we'll do, you know, some Instagram reels, Instagram story, we'll take good pictures and, you know, we share our lessons and skill sets and excitement and passions on Instagram. But then the excitement of creating content that you think is valuable can dissipate pretty quickly if you don't get much response, if you don't get a lot of comments, if you don't really feel like people are engaged. What can you recommend for better exposure on social media and finding the right followers to create that community that you so long for? The first piece I'll say is counterintuitive. I recently posted about it and y'all just blew up on my Instagram about it. So it's about deleting your followers. So actually the first place that you want to start is by going in and deleting all of the fake bots and followers. There's a ton that you may not realize. And what happens is that Instagram at best is sharing about 10% of your audience, your content. So if that 10% happens to be bots, your engagement is going to go down because it's not even sharing it to real people. So starting to go through and look for profiles that have a bunch of numbers or weird names attached. And when you come to them first, you'll click on it and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is not even real. Or the pictures don't really match the person or there's no comments on their pictures. All of those are bots. If you feel a little overwhelmed, that's a great thing to have a VA. Like my virtual assistant went in and over just two days, she deleted everybody in there. 
Now your engagement at first will go down because obviously you've quote lost followers to Instagram, but now your stuff is actually going to the right people. So your engagement will quickly actually go up again to the right audience. We don't want to focus on vanity metrics. It has nothing to do with the number of people. It's the quality. I have clients who have 10,000 followers who have multi-million dollar businesses, okay? It's not about the quantity, but the quality. So that's the first piece. The second is understanding that this is a game. You're getting to play a game on a free platform. So you have to play by certain rules. So you hear about this magical, mythical, evil algorithm all the time. (laughs) And so I want to talk about what is working right now, today, right now in the fall of 2020. Please. First thing is that you want to have savable or shareable content. Savable content looks like you're giving tons of value. Again, very specific to your X, Y, Z, right? Your very specific audience and you help them go from Y to Z. So giving them savable things, lists, tips, just constant or quotes, like really empowering quotes or funny things that you know that they would love. One of the ones that I did recently was I made a meme. I wrote a quote. It said 70% of women reading this are wearing their hair in a weird bun right now. And then I took a picture of my actual weird bun in my office and it was shared almost a thousand times. Okay. So the algorithm is going to then show the rest of my content to those women more. And I got tagged in a bunch of pictures of women taking, I didn't ask, but they started taking pictures of their weird bun that they're wearing while they're working. (laughs) And I just loved it. I thought it was really fun. So just that's the first piece is a savable, shareable content. So that's super important. And that's why reels have become big. And I don't think that they're like the be all to end all. Don't stress about it. Please don't try to learn dances. You don't have to do outfit changes, but it is something that is very shareable, right? It's funny. It's relatable. It's quick. It's easy. And I also think it's a great tool because if you can tell your story, one value piece in 15 seconds, that helps you to be able to share your real tight 10, right? That tight story. So it helps you to start to harness on how do I do this in just 15 seconds? And then the next piece is how do you start to share that, right? So when you're building the content, I want you to think hook, story, offer. Every time you post, every time, hook, story, offer. So for instance, recently I did a story sharing about the behind the scenes of me really giving my TED Talks. The hook was, can I tell you a story about how I almost pooped my pants? Oh, it was hilarious. And you know, and that's exactly the one that I was scrolling back to this morning when I was preparing for this podcast interview. I was like, what did you say again about that? It hooks you in. Yeah. So that's the hook. And then I share the story, right? And the sh- story may be an actual story. It might be value where I'm going to share three points that help me to book three TEDx talks in three months, right? I might do something like that. The story can kind of change between what you would consider to be like a narrative story or a value story, like you're teaching. But either way, this is how you back up that hook. And then the offer. And the offer is going to look like a lot of different things and you want to alternate. So sometimes if you're in a season of selling, if this is where you're having an enrollment, you're selling a book, a course, a program, an event, then you're going to tell people right below, like grab your ticket or I've got two seats left or book your free discovery call. You're going to have some call to action. Or it might be as simple as let me know what you think below. What's your one word that you would describe? but people need you to direct them over what you want them to do. We keep thinking when we don't have engagement, they just don't like me. Nobody ever likes my content, Jill, like WTF. And I'm like, did you tell them to save it? Literally, did you tell them you should save this post? Did you tell them to heart and tag someone below that needs to see this today? Did you physically tell them to do it? Because I'm pretty sure 
that unless you tell people, how would they know that that's what you want them to do? I love learning from you. And, you know, it, it can be a little tricky to navigate through all the rules, right? Where you're talking about, yeah, it is a game that we're playing on Instagram, you, you know, algorithm changes and, you know, you got to understand how and what, but most importantly, stay true to yourself, share authentically, also invest time to connect to others, comment to another people's posts. If you get 10 messages on DM, reply. Don't have to be like, it doesn't have to be the same day, but make sure that they feel heard and seen and loved. Coming back to you. you pulling it all back, Jill. Abby, thank you for sharing your superpower with all of us. I know I've learned a lot from you and I cannot wait to implement all these great lessons. If you want to hear more from Abby, make sure to check out her TED Talks or her Instagram at A-B-B-E-Y-G-I-B-B. Until next time, my friends. This episode was produced and edited by AJ Mosley for Kurt Co. Media. Mastering by Steve Ricky Berg. If you have any thoughts or questions you'd like me to answer on the show, feel free to send us an audio message or text to 323-522-5006. I repeat, 323-522-5006. Until next time, my friends, have a beautiful day. From Kirkco Media, media for your mind.